Hi, I'm Lawrence. And I'm Karen Tam, and we are the co-hosts of Inside the Champion's Mind. I'm super excited. Are we going shopping? No, not really. We're going to be in Melbourne, though. For shopping? No, we're not going to be shopping. We're going to be at the Wellness Summit, September 10th and 11th at the Melbourne Convention Center. That's pretty exciting. It is exciting because it's your first time going to be there. It is. And along with a whole bunch of other people, too. But even though, whether they're your first time or your second time or third time, you definitely want to come out because it's the last time we're going to do it in Melbourne. That's awesome. So you can still register. You can still register. Get in. There's also going to be myself, Damien, Brett, and along with Upper the Chat Girls, Marcus Pierce, Joe Witten, Kale Brock, Steph Loeb, the Mary Make Sister, and Tim Robards. So to register, can they save any money? Yes, they can. And I like saving money. Yes, so you can go shopping. Go shopping. There we go. (laughs) So to register and receive $100 off your ticket, go to thewellnesssummit.com and enter the code FIRSTSUMMIT16. That's FIRSTSUMMIT16. Go to thewellnesssummit.com. We'll see you there. Shopping. Wellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work, and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. Ladies, have you ever been in so much pain that you've been buckled over, holding your stomach, not sure what is going on or what to do about it? Or have you seen a woman like this, maybe your mum or your sister, or maybe it's your daughter who just can't get out of bed because they're having so much abdominal pain? Unfortunately, most women will experience this in their lifetime. And sometimes it's just put down to the basic womanly cycle of menstrual cramping or period pain. So today we really want to tackle that because there's so many women struggling with so much discomfort and we think there's a lot of great ways you can help yourself. So if you've just tuned in, welcome. This is Wellness Women Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And this week it's all about that horrible thing that a lot of us experience, it's period pain. (laughs) And Ash, you're absolutely right. Um, You know, I've seen women who have been in so much pain, it makes them vomit, it makes them lose bowel control, um, they've even fainted from the amount of pain that they have. And today we're talking about specifically a term that's called primary dysmenorrhea, which is a big fancy word or a medical term for period pain. But this is from no other diagnosis or no other source. So it's in the absence of a diagnosis of something like endometriosis or ovarian cysts or other secondary causes. This is purely just period pain and it affects up to 90% of women throughout you know their their cycling life and is also one of the most common gynecological complaints that women have uh, unfortunately how many women are just told that they're unlucky when this happens to them that you know and again we've we've said this before but they're struck with the curse of being a woman that they're prescribed maybe one or two things that they're they can take pharmaceutically to help to manage the symptoms but they've just drawn the short straw this is going to be their existence for the rest of their life until they stop their period um ash have you come across that in in clinic as well Oh, 100%. It's uh, such an unfortunate, uh, I guess, diagnosis that women get is this is just your thing. Um, this is yeah. just your body and that's the way it's going to be. Um, and and even in extreme situations, and I say extreme in the sense that pain that's been so debilitating, someone's felt so scared, they've called an ambulance and, you know, having gone to the hospital, run all the tests and checks and just been told it's just period pain, like you're going to have to deal with it and sent away with some medications. Um, and that's 
that was a really interesting conversation I had with a mother about her daughter because this was really, I think, what uh, brought my attention to how little women are given in terms of guidance um, other than the pharmacological sort of standard approach to pain management, which, you know, you deal with pain in any other sort of way. Um, it could be pain in your head, your shoulder, your knee, your neck. It's almost like period pain is just lumped in with the pain syndromes mm -hmm. and we have to deal with that pain the same way. But yeah. for anyone woman who knows how it feels to have, you know, lower pelvic pain, it's horrendous. And I don't think it's a pain that should just be approached like you would a, a sore toe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't necessarily have to afflict just the, you know, the uterine area and the reproductive organs. It can refer into the low back, into the sacral region. It can also refer into the front and back of the thighs as well. So women can have that really severe dragging deep pain as well. Uh, and there's very, uh, there's, there's clinical reasons for these things. And it's most often a bit of a multifactorial sort of uh, cause behind these things. So there's definitely a hormonal underpinning to this, which some people might recognize, some people might not. Um, it also can be even just a biomechanical or like a pelvic positioning issue and a uterine position issue for women as well. Uh, I'm sure lots of women out there have heard of the terms of either antiverted or retroverted uterus, so meaning that the uterus is either tilted front or back. And this is a very common thing that lots of women have, and you probably will only find out if you actually do have that, uh, if you've needed an ultrasound on your pelvic region for one reason or another. Uh, but it affects up to sort of 80 or 90% of women. However, it doesn't have to be the cause of the pain. And we'll get into a bit later why the different pelvic position and the uterine position can actually affect things as well. So what causes the pain, Andrea? I mean, like, you know, we sort of say, okay, well, there's something causing pain. What is it? What's classically causing this pain that women uh, are often left buckled over for? Well, if we zoom into like the minutia of what actually causes the pain, there's a little chemical process that happens. And most of the time it can be put down to a thing called prostaglandins. And prostaglandins are cyclic fatty acids that they're produced in the uterine lining, um, not all the time, but every now and then. And they're responsible for the contraction that happens through the uterus. They're also responsible for um, regulating the blood flow, the lymphatic flow and also the, th the pain threshold um, of that area. So they're little chemical messengers that act similarly to hormones, um, but they're called prostaglandins. And this is actually what is involved in uterine contractions during labor as well. So the intensity of the contraction that a woman would feel during their period, because remember, it is a contraction of the uterus where it will shift and move to try and expel blood from, you know, the, the uterus to, to bring it out through the vagina and to get it out of the system. Um, that is responsible uh, the prostaglandins are responsible for that. Now, there's a very strong correlation between the amount of pain that a woman has and the level of prostaglandins that they have in their system at that time. Uh, which I think is really interesting. Now, when we talked about pelvic position and the expulsion of the blood, what I want to talk about quickly is if a woman has, say, an antiverted uterus, for instance, which means the uterus is tilted forwards, 
um, into a not ideal position, meaning the blood is actually going to pool in that interior or front surface of the uterus. And then a more intense spasm actually has to happen through the front of the uterus to expel the blood. And ladies, this is period pain. This is your cramping pain that you're getting is that spasm of the uterus to do what it's supposed to do and expel the menstrual blood. Um, the reason that that's so important is that it has to work so much harder if the uterus is tilted forwards or back to actually get rid of it. Um, but the good news is, is there's things that we can do about that. Um, now, when we talk about the, the prostaglandin production, um, it can be um, mediated by lots of different hormones. So that, let's talk about the hormones that are involved with period pain as well. So from a very basic overview, we know that we've got estrogen and progesterone. That's the major two ovarian hormones that are involved in our, uh, you know, our menstrual cycle. When someone is very estrogen dominant, meaning that their progesterone levels are a lot lower, um, estrogen is that really bossy hormone. I know that you ladies have heard me talk about this many, many times. As estrogen keeps rising, it keeps suppressing progesterone because it has to be that beautiful, perfect balance. When estrogen keeps going up, it actually makes us put on weight and then that excess body fat actually increases again our its own estrogen production so it becomes like an endocrine producing organ all on its own when our body weight goes up it actually increases our risk of having worsening period pain because of the heightened levels of estrogen and there is a really important reason for that and that is because again as estrogen keeps going up it suppresses progesterone and progesterone and prostaglandin have an inverse relationship so the action of the prostaglandins on the uterus is dependent on our progesterone levels and higher levels actually renders the uterus resistant to the prostaglandin induced uterine spasms so if we have low progesterone, it means we're going to have worsening period pain because of the higher levels of prostaglandins that are, you know, hanging around at that time. So this is not just one little thing that causes it. It's the whole menstrual cycle. It's that beautiful hormonal balance that we have to have throughout the cycle and everything has to be in check. So if you're wondering if whether or not progesterone might be a bit of an issue for you, there's a few things that you can look for. So one is certainly period pain. It can be breast tenderness leading up to your period. So in that, that premenstrual uh, time, it can be really feeling your ovulation. So that dragging pain that you'll get across your pelvis uh, sort of mid month. Um, and it can also be the really crazy mood swings that we have leading up to our period. So if you're going from you know being really angry at the traffic to all of a sudden crying at a commercial that that's on the radio while you're driving that's a pretty good sign that your progesterone levels may not be where we need them to be and it can be because your estrogen levels are sort of going unchecked and unbalanced from that um, now i certainly recommend doing appropriate hormonal testing to evaluate this but these are some little clues or some little hints that you can look for um, and certainly period pain is one of the hallmarks that i look for for um, you know progesterone issues there 
That's huge. And you can see, ladies, now why we call Andrea the period whisperer because she's <laughs> like absolutely without a breath there to explain to you what is going on, which is so um, multifactorial. I think that's where we're trying to get at with this episode. It's not as simple as popping in ibuprofen and getting rid of some pain. There's so many underlying reasons why our, our pain thresholds will change through the month cyclically. I mean, any woman who's ever tried to wax her legs the week before she <laughs> she, <laughs> she has her period will know, you, you know, like you've got that high high prostaglandin response. So it is so damn painful to wax your legs at that time of your cycle. Um, And that sort of explains some of those hormonal reasons why it's so important to do the appropriate testing first before playing roulette and and just throwing hopeful solutions at a problem um, and hoping it's going to do something. And I think this is an area where a lot of women um, may never have explored some of the underlying causes because often those period pains happened when you were younger. Um, You know, you were sort of in your teens having horrendous experience of you know heavy cramping heavy bleeding possibly heavy clotting went to the gp and the best and only solution at that time was to put you on the oral contraceptive pill and for a lot of women that is like a miracle worker it suddenly changes the cycle in a way that stops some of those acute symptoms and so a lot of women think they're cured yeah, yeah, which is which is really scary. And look, the reason that it works is because it actually reduces the um, the growth of the endometrial cell layer, so that when you do have that hormone withdrawal bleed when you're on the pill you're not shedding as much of that uterine lining and because you're altering your hormones so much, you're not going to have as much uh, prostaglandin production if you're on the combined oral contraceptive pill, that is. Um, now, Ash, we were talking before the episode about the fact that for some women, the pill has been almost like a, a lifesaver, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've had this conversation with a few women um, where until they went on the pill and like you mentioned, the combined pill, which is the estrogen progesterone balance pill, um, there was nothing else that helped uh, according to the experiences they had so far. Or they went down the path of an IUD and the intrauterine device and, you know, of course being told that it can stay there for five years and (laughs) it sounds like such a great solution because, you know, straight away they've noticed less extreme symptoms and suddenly they think that that means their body's better. Um, Yeah, yeah. And that's that's, the, the type of IUD that you're referring to is the marina. Um, and not the copper IUD. So the Marina is the hormone-producing IUD. Now, as a disclaimer for that, that should never be prescribed to women who have not had children. And you can see that on the drug paraphernalia that they produce. The Marina IUD states that itself. It should not be prescribed to women who have not had children. However, it is um, willy-nilly. So if that's something that your doctor has suggested for you, you need to seriously question whether or not this is a viable option. Um, it will increase your risk of certain other things that we won't get into now, but you need to be aware of the fact that having something inserted into your uterus comes with risk factors, um, including dislodgement, um, transference out of the uterus itself, which can cause a whole bunch of different things. Um, and on the flip side, the copper IUD, even though it isn't hormonal, can actually increase your period pain and increase your blood flow and the length of your period as well. So there's pitfalls to all of those things. Um, however, I know for some women, like we were talking about, this has been the lifesaver for them. Um, but I think it's probably only because they haven't addressed the underlying hormonal imbalances that have created the period pain in the first place. Because remember, a normal cycle is no symptoms. 
So really heavy, severe period pain is a sign of hormonal imbalance. Certainly. And this is where the conversation got tricky for me because, you know, professing their undying love for the hormonal <laughs> pill they're on that saved their life, um, it's really hard to challenge that, that perception, that belief, particularly with the notion that the suggestion may be to go off the pill to get things back to balance, to get things in harmony. Um, and this was a conversation because it was surrounding fertility and obviously the desire to start a family, but just really scared that when they go off it, it's going to be horrendous like it was eight years ago in this case. This woman hadn't sort of gone there for eight years. So mm -hmm. her memory and her experiences were of her teenage mind. And here she is approaching 30s, wanting to have children. And she's sort of like caught in this thing of going, but what if I go off it? I'm going to be in horrendous pain. I'm, not, I'm too scared to try. And I thought yeah. that was an interesting conversation because, um, you know, what we talk about all the time here on Wellness and Radio is about how we get our bodies working better inside out and leaving, you know, extreme circumstances to extreme situations to extreme solutions. And I say extreme when you start, you know, permanently medicating someone, that should be the last end resort, uh, not the first. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we need to change that conversation that we're having with our teenage girls when they start cycling because... If you say you're a mother and you've had horrendous periods, you are so terrified that you're going to be passing that on to your daughters, but that has been your experience. And you know, there's such a, um, there's very strong prevalence for that to be inherited for your daughter, but remember it's hormonal imbalance. So it can be changed. It can be addressed and they need to understand that this doesn't have to be their existence for the rest of their life. They don't have to be in crippling pain for, you know, a, a week or two each month. And just remember it is hormonal imbalance we need to change that conversation um, because it's not normal to have to really strongly medicate yourself during that time or consistently like you know what you were saying ash some of our patients do and even skipping the uh, placebo pills of the pill to completely avoid a cycle altogether now yeah. It's that. just so unnatural. It's so yeah. unbelievably unnatural. We have to think about ourselves as part of the oh, part of nature. We're, we're we're here for a reason. It's unnatural to avoid that that natural source of fertility. Um, yeah, it's quite horrifying. And yet, I was there before. And you, you've heard my story. You know that I was on that pathway too with polycystic ovarian syndrome. And um, you know, two options of metformin and and the pill to get through the side effects and symptoms. Um, and yet, here I was, seven years on the pill, and you know. I didn't know what I didn't know. And that's yeah. probably the driver behind what we do here, Andy, because if women knew some of this stuff, I'm sure they would ask better questions or do a little bit more research before exactly. they, they, you know, went straight on board. Because I just think that the potential major problems, particularly when it comes to changing the body with synthetic hormones, issues with fertility, issues with cancer, stroke, blood clots. I mean, there's so much research to support this stuff now. Um, if you've never, ever read the side effects that come in that little box that um, has the little piece of paper that tells you about it, I really, really encourage you to start taking uh, active control in your health and, and read it. Just see what it says and exactly. maybe it'll surprise you. Um, and as you're talking about some of the, you know, quite serious things there, but not, not to mention the changes that it creates for our gastrointestinal system, even the changes to our brain chemistry as well, which I think is even more important because you know, it really does change our serotonin balances, which is, you know, our happy, feel-good neurotransmitter that we need to stay level-headed. Um, it changes our pheromones. It changes, you know, pretty much everything. But 
but that's if we the come problem, back to you can't pill. can't know that stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a lot of that stuff is disconnected to the pill, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. How many people think that that's from something else and don't have any association between the pill and most people say, oh no no, it's not that. It just must be something else you're eating, or you know, it's just stress. It's all all to do with your stress levels. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but we need to be thinking outside of the box with some of these things and really paying attention to the signs and signals that our body gives us. Now, I completely appreciate that the fact that women may experience less painful periods if they're taking some form of hormonal contraception, including the combined oral contraceptive pill. Excuse me. However, diet can do the same thing diet and I should go a bit further diet and lifestyle changes can absolutely do the same thing there is no quick fix for this remember the pill is just putting a band-aid over things it's taking your own hormones offline um, the other pharmaceutical intervention that's most used by women and prescribed for period pain is your non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs however they come with a whole host of risks as well including gastrointestinal um, risk factors. It's widely documented that it can disrupt your cardiovascular system, can give you renal issues. Um, Ash, is there anything else that I've forgotten there along the, uh, the list of risks with your NSAIDs? Yeah, look, it's also they've got impact on the nervous system as well. So, well, of course, yeah. you know, stop playing around with the, the nervous system. It's doing a hard enough job with the uh, constant day to day onslaughts of lifestyle. So, yeah, anything we add into the system that is certainly, uh, you know, I guess pharmacological in origin has it has direct effects, but there's also a lot of indirect effects. And I think this notion that the medications we take create side effects, they're not side effects. They're just unwanted direct effects. Yeah, exactly. That's what the, you know, that medication has been known to produce. This is what happens when you take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, look, I think the goal for us is to, to steer women towards uh, choices and options that allows, well, safer, I guess, safer management of particularly the pains associated with menstrual cramping. Some of the reasons why we get that horrendous, you know, almost like, uh, you know, contraction, you know, excruciating painful contractions. There's so many things that can be done for that. I mean, I've had huge success just by putting women on higher levels of magnesium. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's such a simple solution. And yet uh, a lot of people don't think that something as simple as magnesium could possibly cause a reduction in pain, but absolutely, because it's reducing the, the spasmic contraction and the intensity of that contraction. It's a relaxant effect on the body. So how powerful when you can use something uh, that comes in a lot of green, leafy greens. So, you know, yeah. increasing your, your leafy greens, which is straight away going to have an impact on the, I guess, liver function as well. So you're going to start to help the body break down some of the byproducts of estrogen excess. Um, yep. That's such a profound cycle right there. So if I said nothing else, I'm like women need to get onto cruciferous leafy green vegetables um, and increase the magnesium intake. That's just a simple starting point. And so many women report an improvement right there. And that's just for basic period pain. That's, you know, like that's, that's wow. That's so cool. Um, and, you know, being magnesium deficient may present in a whole host of different ways. So that is going to be beneficial no matter what. And when we're looking at using, um, the, you know, vitamin and supplementation, um, these are also very well documented for how it's affecting period pain. So there was a randomized controlled trial um, that was looking at the vitamin B levels of women. And they took a group of just under 600 women, put them on 100 milligrams of B1, which is thymine, um, daily for three months. And that they found that there was an 87% improvement 
or complete cessation, so it completely stopped, of the pain after two months. And that's just with vitamin B. Um, now, I'm not sure what the nutritional status of these women would have been like before the test, whether or not they would have been malnourished or there was already vitamin B deficiencies there. Um, however, that's a pretty compelling result. Um, the same thing goes with zinc and magnesium, as you mentioned. Um, so a lot of these can certainly be found in your diet, a really good quality practice practitioner prescription only um, multivitamin and mineral supplementation will have some of these things in it but I certainly recommend a good very good quality um, magnesium just as you said um, Ash I think that's a really great start um, however talk to your health practitioners about this before starting them because you want to make sure that it's not going to interfere with anything else yeah, or, if you're currently on medications then you need to have that conversation first yeah exactly or that you're actually deficient in these things in the first place for it to be beneficial um, so that's a really really good place to start um, as far as uh, looking at food and dietary changes I love that you mentioned your cruciferous vegetables and your leafy greens um, that's incredible and also making sure that you've got a really high fiber diet can significantly reduce the amount of excess estrogens that we have because of its ability to help bind those and actually expel them from our system. So make sure you're having lots of your veggies, um, good quality fruits. You can be having your, your beans, lentils, peas, um, all of your, your good fiber, um, as well as uh, start experimenting with some fermented foods. So your kimchi, sauerkraut, your beet kvass, all of those things can actually aid in the liver detoxification of estrogen as well. Um, and I think that that's such a great happy byproduct of that. And it also helps, you know, our, uh, our gut flora as well. So our digestive process is going to be a, a lot better too. And of course, prostaglandins are involved in a sort of inflammatory response in the body. So mm -hmm. it's really important for ladies, you need to steer away from foods that are pro-inflammatory. And so this is a lot of the processed goods, baked goods. They're high in omega-6 fatty acids or yep. omega-6 fats. And these are the, we've got to have uh, good fat ratios. So omega-3 to omega-6. Unfortunately, a lot of the uh, nasty oils we have in our diets uh, these days, thanks to the processed foods, is ramping up our omega-6 fatty acid profile, which is an inflammatory process. So, you know, these have been on the rise and rise um, since the 1950s. And we're just finding in so many foods now that it's really hard to go to the shops, pick up something in a packet and not be inundated with, uh, I guess, the byproducts of inflammation thanks to the foods. So you yeah. really need to consider the source. You have to be looking and saying, okay, well, what's in this? What sort of fats are we dealing with? Because we don't want you to eliminate fat in the diet. That's such a big deal. You need to be having good whole fats, um, you know, coming from foods like you can have, well, there's so many different ones. So Where you're just avocado, avocado <laughs> um, yeah, your wild coconut caught. Coconut oil. Yeah, coconut oil, your wild caught um, salmon, mackerel, so you're good oily fish, um, your nuts and seeds, uh, your cold pressed um, oils like your cold pressed olive oil or macadamia oil, something like that. Um, these are all incredible sources of your good fats and your eggs as well. Don't forget eggs um, because that's an amazing little nutrient bundle there. But and real butter. Don't steer away from all these things. <laughs> like we've been taught for so long to, you know, butter's bad and all that. But, you know, and real butter, um, real animal fats, it's not 
bad for us. It's just that we're getting too much of the wrong fat. So it's all been lumped together. Fat is bad. But what we need to quantify is that not all fats are bad. Some fats have a lot more harmful effects on the body. And I think you need to be really careful about avoiding some of these. Um, bottom line, bottom line, don't eat fats, you know, such as canola oil, um, margarine. It should not be in any woman's fridge, please. <laughs> if you do nothing yeah. else today, toss the margarine. There's so much crap in there. Um, what's canola, soybean, vegetable, peanut. I'm just trying to rattle off some yeah, of these other absolutely. ones. And these are all chemically commercial altered. salad dressings as well um, will all have those sorts of fats in it. And we really want to decrease that toxic fat intake. So pretty much anything that is baked commercially that has a long shelf life, like your donuts, your potato chips, um, you know, your muffins, cakes. And I know this sounds like we're being the fun police here, but if this is something that is important to you, then you really need to be conscious of this because we know that it increases your consumption of your trans fats and the really toxic fat um, that we're already having too much of in our diet anyway. So, and that also means anything deep fried too. So ladies, it's time to really clean up our diets and have a good think about that. Um, the other thing that I want to say is be really conscious of your red meat intake. Now I know this might sound funny. We know that we need good quality protein in our diet, but um, commercially raised in, in mass feeding lots, uh, you know, beef and lamb or any of those sorts of red meat have much higher rates of toxic xenoestrogens. So just be conscious of that. Be conscious of the amount of fat that you're taking in from those as well. Um, and it might be something that you want to look at how much of these things you're actually taking in. So instead of having it five times a week, you might want to switch that to maybe a white meat. So your fish or your chicken, obviously from free range organic sources, if you can, um, that, that might be something to worth, worth considering as well as looking at your dairy consumption as well. So there's well-documented research, and we'll certainly post this on our uh, social media pages as well, that dairy actually can increase your prostaglandin pr uh, production. It increases all of your inflammatory markers as well, so it can exacerbate your period pain too. Mm, yeah, look, so I think this, uh, that's quite a few things we've gone through. Um, it's important to realize that we're trying to assist you with making choices that will reduce your period pain naturally um, in the absence of any major conditions. You know, when we're talking about adenomyosis and um, endometriosis, these mm -hmm. are things that you, it's important to see your GPs, it's important to see your specialists to get some clarity on what is, you know, is there, what's happening. But then it's also important to go back and address the diet and lifestyle concerns and the hormonal imbalances that are underlying aggravators for these concerns anyway. Yeah, um, exactly. chicken, or, chicken or the egg, we don't really know. There's so many of these conditions that have no known cause. They don't know what causes it. So look, the key there is clean up the body, you know, clean up your, clean up your lifestyle. Um, Let's talk about some alternative therapies that you can explore as well. And I'm talking about alternative physical therapy. So things like uh, acupuncture, physiotherapy, and, you know, certainly chiropractic as well. Because remember we talked about the pelvic position and the way that the uterus actually sits within the pelvic bowl is dependent on the ligaments that it attaches into it to support its structure and how that actually anchors into the sacrum, that triangle shaped bone in the middle of your pelvis there and the other parts of the pelvis. So your sitting bones or your ischial tuberosities there and your pubic bone as well. 
So if there's any distortion through that or malposition, it's actually going to change the way your uterus is suspended within your pelvic bowl. It's going to change the lymphatic flow to that area and the blood flow as well, which is critical, but also, and, and most importantly, it can also alter the nerve innovation or the, you know, the signaling to the uterus from the brain and vice versa. Uh, so having a chat to, or going to seek out some of these practitioners who, you know, specialize or see lots of women in these sorts of circumstances can be really, really helpful. Um, and there's one technique that I use with all of my cycling women that I teach them. And it's the, the technique itself is called a uterus lift. Um, and as well, a technique that they can do at home, which is called mind massage. And we might actually record a little video of how to do this to yourself. Um, and we'll stick it on the social media so that you can actually start doing this at home because it absolutely does work and it can certainly decrease uh, the pain as well. Um, there's also castor oil packs and things like that that you can do throughout the month to decrease um, the lymphatic congestion to the uterus as well. Uh, so we'll give you that info too. Um, but there's so many things uh, that we've just given you some tips there. So certainly some nutritional supplementation, some dietary changes, some lifestyle considerations in terms of some therapies to seek out. Um, and the other thing, I guess, that we haven't touched on, Ash, is, is exercise. And if you read any of the literature, most of them will state that exercise does not have an impact on period pain. If, uh, depending on the type of exercise as well, it can actually exacerbate period pain. And I certainly don't recommend exercising within the first few days of your cycle because of the chances of that retrograde menstruation, which will make the pain more severe. And, you know, it might mean that it, it's worse for the next month around. Um, however, I'm sure that something like yoga and Pilates and those sorts of things that help with, um, you know, especially pelvic function, um, will be really beneficial. Um, you know, maybe even Tai Chi and Qigong, which is helping to move the energy flow from these areas would be beneficial too. Uh, but I just haven't found any sort of compelling evidence for that yet. Oh, look, and I think there's, you know, other little switches. It could be something as simple. A woman who uses tampons may want to switch to a moon cup or the diva cup. Yeah. Um, you know, because sometimes, how do we know that that tampon there is not creating some sort of stasis, um, you know, holding a lot of the bloody material there, the body's expelling more out? Like, it's a question because, you know, for women to have reported an improvement after moving away from a tampon into a moon cup, that's, that's interesting. I mean... There's no studies for it, but hey, I would say anecdotal is good enough for me right now. If you're having serious period pains and you're trying to find solutions, then make a couple of these little switches and see if it works for you. Um, not to mention the health benefits of switching away from tampons mm -hmm. into a moon cup and also the environmental, you know, help that you're making this world a better place because you're not wasting the resources in the environment uh, to make all those tampons. So, ladies... Yeah, I guess go for the, the options we've given you. You've got the food options in terms of avoiding some of those uh, inflammatory fatty foods, improve the quality of the fats. We need essential mm -hmm. fats for building blocks for hormones. Um, get away from things that are causing inflammation in the body, and that includes stress and stressful lifestyles. So mm -hmm. increase your exercise and activities that help you reduce stress, but not overloading it so much around that bleed phase when you could actually be you know, worsening symptoms just because you're overdoing it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, ladies, we would love to hear from you about your experiences, what sort of things you've tried, what's worked for you, what hasn't worked for you, um, because every woman is different. Um, however, we know that there are some underlying uh, 
uh, you know, lifestyle factors that, that certainly help or exacerbate these sort of symptoms. So please communicate with us. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the wellness women or on Instagram underscore the wellness women. Um, and, uh, Ash, I definitely want to give a shout out about the wellness summit coming up in it's, uh, just under two weeks now. Um, so we're going to be there in Melbourne. We hope that you're all coming along. We're still running a competition on our social media to get free tickets. Um, and super exciting. We've also been nominated um, for the best podcast and best new podcast awards on the wellness couch. So if you haven't voted for us yet, can you please, please, please go onto our Facebook page. It's the top link there. You can click through the little poll takes, you know, 10 seconds to do share it with all your friends, make sure they're doing it too. <laughs> That's all we ask of you. Just, uh, just throw your support behind us now because yeah. we work hard to get, to get this to you. And I'll yeah. tell you what, it's nice to get some recognition. We all like to get some recognition oh, for things we work hard at. Absolutely. I know this is a bit of a shameless, uh, please, yeah, please, please vote for us. We would so, so love and appreciate that. Um, you know, once you voted for us, pop it in the comment there on our Facebook page and we will be forever grateful. Um, oh, and I must say after all that, you know, shame of self-promotion, my thoughts actually just jump back straight to that topic we were talking about right now. Um, we'd be saying sleep. Oh yeah. How oh yeah, miss that. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I'm, I talk about this with every single woman ever. Um, your hormones will not be balanced ever if you're not getting good quality sleep. Yeah. So, ladies, before you tune out today, just throw that into your list of things to do. Make sure you're checking in with your sleep routines and uh, and balancing your body from the inside out. Thank you so much for joining us. We've had a great episode uh, sharing with you today. We really look forward to seeing you in Melbourne, hopefully. And uh, if not, don't worry, we'll make sure there's more events to come. We hope you all have a fantastic week. Be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.